Good morning, Pleasant Valley. It is great to be here with you today. This is an incredible day to worship the Lord as we come together as the people of God to study the word of God and to then go from this place to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I am, uh, again, as Pastor Merle said, I'm John Mark Yates. I am a professor at Midwestern Seminary, and we are so appreciative of your ongoing partnership with our school. It, it makes an incredible difference to us. So whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the room, I wanted to say thank you very much for how you continue to love and care for us as we continue to develop uh, and train men and women for gospel ministry all the way around the world. So thank you very much for that. This morning, as we continue in this series that uh, you guys have been in, Ghosted, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in your life, I want us to turn to a very specific passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bible, either in print or on your phone, if you would open it up, to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts. Now, you guys have uh, already seen and studied uh, very well who the Holy Spirit is. It's not some sort of impersonal force. It's, it's actually a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, that he is a gift to us by uh, Jesus, that he lives and dwells with us as believers in Jesus Christ. And we've already talked about this over the last few weeks. If you've not had a chance uh, to to catch the messages of the weeks before, I would encourage you to go back and look at those. This is such an important way to understand the, the manner in which God works in your life. So as we come to our text today, uh, I want us to see how the Holy Spirit empowers our life for, and this is the key part, for something, for bearing witness. Now, I grew up uh, not far from here, uh, down the road in Topeka, Kansas, uh, right? So not too far from uh, Jayhawks and, and all of that other kind of stuff. And when I was about uh, uh, 10, uh, 9 or 10, my parents decided to buy some land, now, I am not much of a country guy, uh, but my parents thought this would be good for us and for our development, that we would be out uh, and be able, I think pretty much that my mom could kick us out of the house, me and my brothers, <laughs> and have some place for us to go and run. And that is exactly what we did. We went out of the woods a lot and played out in the woods and, and just had a lot of fun. And on our property, there was a stream that uh, weaved its way all the way through the property. And in one of the little bends of the stream, there was a very deep pool. Of water. It was a little wider there and it was nice and deep. And one of the things my brothers and I used to love to do was to go down there and then to begin to chuck rocks into the water. Now, I don't know about you, but just about every kid, when you get them next to the, the shores of a lake or a body of water, what are we going to do? We're going to pick up rocks and try to skip them. This wasn't wide enough to do that, right? So you'd kind of try to skip, it's like one, two, hit the other shore. Kind of ineffective, right? That, that doesn't work right. So instead, what do you want to do? You want to find the biggest rock and chuck it in. So there are two things that are accomplished, especially for boys. One, the larger the rock, the stronger you are, right? We got to show off uh, how strong we are. That's, that's part of what's there. The second part was we kind of wanted to make sure that we could see who could make the biggest splash. So depending on where, you know, how far up on the embankment you could get, other pieces, we wanted to get the biggest splash. Now, one of the things I noticed uh, even as a, a young kid before I had studied anything with the science or anything like that is when you drop the rock into the water, you not only got the splash that came right up, but then you also had these ripples that would go out 
from the point of impact. This ripple effect or these concentric circles that spread out would kind of work across the surface of the water until it reached the edge or until we chucked another rock in the water, right? So you just kept doing it over and over again and, and these kinds of things would take place and we, would, we just kind of see that as even a competition between me and my brothers. Now, when we look at the book of Acts and the text that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at one verse. In that one verse, Jesus is addressing the disciples. And Jesus is giving a very powerful message about who we are, the power that comes to us from the Holy Spirit, and how that is supposed to be channeled and moved. It works in concentric circles, much like that rock that I would drop into the water with that point of impact and then spreading out. It's the same way with four different areas that I'm going to show you that the Holy Spirit wants to work through you in his power to make a difference as a witness. So it begins to work out from there. Now, one of the great things about timing of this is when we look at all of the pages of history, there is one event that had the biggest impact that changed everything. And that's when our Savior rose from the dead. We celebrated that just a few weeks ago with Easter. What an incredible thing to celebrate our risen Savior, our risen Lord. And now as we look at this text, the risen Savior is addressing the disciples particularly just so they can continue the work that he set out for them. So if you found the book of Acts there in the New Testament, let's go to Acts chapter one, Acts chapter one, and we're gonna look at verse eight, verse eight. It's also on the screens in case you forgot your text. I always like to have the word in front of us if we can. Here's what the word of God says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those four geographic features, we're going to see how that applies to our life when we understand that the power of God comes to us through the Holy Spirit. So if you're taking notes this morning, the key thing that I'd like for you to understand, the, the central point of everything that we're doing is that the power of the Holy Spirit equips us to be witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit equips us to be witnesses. So let's break this down just a little bit. If we're thinking through the first part of that verse, Jesus tells his disciples that they are going to receive power. They're gonna receive power. Now, who doesn't want more power, right? Ask any politician, they'd like a little more, right? Ask anybody who just recently bought a vehicle and then there's a new model that came out with more power, right? Ask anybody who just bought a, a latest tool or appliance. And sometimes we, we really try to rate these things in terms of power. To be honest, we love power. We love power. And Jesus is telling us that each and every one of us, if we have trusted Jesus as our savior, we are given power. We are given power, power for our life, power for today, power for tomorrow, not inherent in ourselves, 
but because we have the Holy Spirit. Stop and think about that with me for a moment. I could point you to any number of podcasts or books or other kinds of things where our world will tell you how to get your power back, to try to find your truth, to try to find your power or your strength inherent within you. The word of God says that's a bad approach, that the only power that you and I need is the power that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You will receive power, power from the Holy Spirit. In this text, Jesus is helping his disciples understand that the source of their power actually matters because that Holy Spirit's power is going to give them the capability to be effective witnesses. You've ever done jury duty? I try to get out of it, right? I don't, I don't think it's usually a lot of fun to, to go and burn a day and get paid, is it $3 or $6 now, right? For your whole trouble, right? It's, it, it's hard work, but it's part of how our system works. And, and when you listen to a case, when a case is being presented all the way across, what is the key component of the case? Witnesses. What the witnesses say makes a huge difference in the outcome at the end of the day. So witnesses are simply people who are saying what they saw. Witnesses are simply people who are saying what they saw. Now, in this text, and this is a a key thing for us to remember, we will receive power from the Holy Spirit to do what? To do something supernatural? To do something incredible? It's simply to be witnesses. Now, God and his power has chosen that the way that you and I are able to best communicate the truths of Scripture is quite simply to be a witness, to simply say what we have seen. You will be my witnesses. Now, friends, that actually kind of helps remove some pressure. Now, uh, I grew up in church a a lot of my life, right? So I think pretty much uh, I've been in church even when I was in my mom's womb, right? So it's like I've been in church for a long time. My dad was a pastor and just always in church, always in church, always in church. And there was this phrase that I would hear people talk about, and they would invite you to do something, and it would go like this, hey, do you want to go with us to go witnessing? Anybody been asked that before? If you've been around church people a lot, you might have heard some phrases like that. It is the phrase that usually sends fear down the spines of most individuals. Because what that means is I'm going to be handed like a, a, a tract or, or some sort of gospel packet, and I'm supposed to go talk with people whom I've never met and try to introduce them to Jesus. Now, if you've been around the church, again, much of your life, you probably have your own stories relating to that. It's, it's kind of a, a crazy thing. What we want to do as believers in Jesus Christ is to tell people about Jesus, but it's not in our own power. It's not in some sort of magic method or some memorized formula. It is simply by being witnesses, those who testify of what they have seen. All of you have a story, I'm sure. Things that God has done in your life. Things that you have seen 
where God has intersected where you are. Maybe it was at the moment of salvation and you had one of those radical conversions where God transformed you from someone who is in absolute opposition to the things of God into someone who truly is a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe it was over the last couple of years as you've dealt with um, a very, very difficult medical circumstance. And as you've been walking through that, you've seen the hand of God in your life. What does that give you? That gives you a story to tell others about how much God has done for you in your life. And guess what? You can be a witness. You can just tell somebody, this is what I've seen. This is what's happened in my life. This is the way that it goes. We all have a story. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit and that power of the Spirit is to an end. It is so that you and I can be a witness. So when we turn and we start looking at these spheres of influence, if the power of the Spirit produces witnesses, let's talk about these four areas that I told you about. Now in each of these four areas, here's what I'd like us to do this morning. In each of these four areas, we're gonna talk about the area, then I'm gonna give you an application for you and your family, and then I'm going to give you a risky prayer to pray. Those risky prayers are prayers where I want us to kind of think through, all right, if I actually pray this and believe that God answers prayers, which he does, uh, I I wanna be careful to, to understand that if I pray this, then God is going to move in my life in this way. All right, so we'll talk about the text, then we'll come in and look at our application, and then I'm gonna give you a risky prayer for each of these four areas. So that's how we're gonna talk about this. So the the power of God and the Holy Spirit produces witnesses, and the first area that we see this is at home. Witnesses at home. Now, for those who were there in that room when Jesus addressed his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. There was probably a cheer. Yeah, this is great. This is home base. This is the place that we love. It's got my favorite falafel shop around the corner, right? I'm used to everything that's here. I know the layouts of the streets. I know how everything works. This is home base. I know exactly what's going on in Jerusalem. Jesus, I'll be your witness here. Great. In Jerusalem, let's take the streets. Home base, though, is not always as easy as that. And some of you know that all too well. Some of you may have roommates who don't know Jesus. Some of you may be in a home where your parents don't know Jesus or your spouse or even your kids. Home base can be hard. In fact, if you follow the pages of the book of Acts, this at home gets to be a little difficult. Well, if you read the book of Acts, you'll find just a few chapters later is key leaders are killed for testifying about Jesus Christ right there at home base. Home is hard because when we think about home, we have, we have kind of two different issues. One is kind of a, a, a problem of neutrality. Let's just call it that. I don't know about you. I've worked a full day. I've uh, been teaching classes. I've uh, dealt with students. I've dealt with other circumstances and, and, and issues I come home and it's easy for me to just want to sit back. Maybe there's something on Netflix. Maybe Sporting KC is playing. Maybe there's something on TV that I want to catch. I just want to disconnect. I want to sit back and I want to be 
neutral. The problem is that in my case, I have a beautiful wife, but I also have four children. And all the things that have been going on in their life, none of that's been neutral. None of that's been turned off. None of that's gone away. And so I can't abdicate my responsibility by just simply kicking back in my easy chair and hope it'll all work out. It's not the way that it works. We are to be those who are actively engaged, whether they're two months old or two years old or 22, we don't get a pass. We are to be those who are sharing the hope and the story of Jesus over and over and over again to our families or to those that we live with. This is such a key idea that in the word of God, we are given very explicit instructions about this. In the Old Testament, Moses, as he's talking with the children of Israel, he tells them about how important this is. Look at the words of Deuteronomy 6, which will be up on the screen. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. We could pause there, right, and go, I got that, right? I already trusted Jesus. I'm already doing it. I've got it. It's, It's good. Oh, But then the verse continues on. Okay, so now what else am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What space does this not cover? It it doesn't. It's all of it. And then additionally, the text goes on to say, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. It should be absolutely inescapable to anyone in your household that your life, that your story is all completely wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Parents, don't miss this. Your kids are away at school. They get six to eight hours of all kinds of influences. They come home. They play video games. They do whatever. They're engaged in all kinds of stuff. Where is the witness that comes from you continually pointing them to Jesus? Where do they hear your story? Where do they hear you talk about mistakes that you've made and how Jesus forgave you? Where do they hear you talk about the blessing that came when you and your spouse first connected? Where do they hear you talk about hard times and where Jesus saw you through? Friends, no matter where you are in your life, your kids need to hear that, and that is part of the issue. We have no room for neutrality. Second of all, we have a problem of polite culture. We start kind of expanding this out just a little bit. Maybe we start thinking about a roommate that we have, or maybe we start thinking about, you know, Aunt Joe and Betty Sue and, uh, you know, all these others that are kind of in our extended family. And we have contact with them, right? They're still home base. How are we supposed to talk with them about Jesus? How are we supposed to be witnesses? I mean, we know the rules of the game, right? When you're in a family gathering, we never talk about politics and religion, right? And we know how well that works out, right? Because at Christmas, you know, that's when Jenny threw the gravy spoon at uh, at Fred because you know he she was upset that he was criticizing her her president, and and, you know Jimmy left to go rant online because the family doesn't agree with his position on COVID, and you know all right. We we know how messy that is in family. It's hard. It's so hard. And God has designed us to be His witnesses 
even in the mess of our families. Even in the mess of our families to continually just share what Jesus has done. Now watch this. If my life matches what the word of God says, or if when I mess up, I at least come back and correct, say, I blew that. God tells me I need to live differently. Would you forgive me, right? When we start seeing those kinds of things happen, it kind of blows people away. When I was uh, working on my first master's at Oxford, I'm living in this apartment and there's several people in it. We all have our own rooms and we share this kitchen area and I'm there and I'm cooking my dinner in the kitchen. Another lady who's from Slovakia, she comes in and she's cooking her meal and she stops and goes, you know what? I have a question for you. And I'm like, great, shoot. And she goes, hey, um, I've noticed that you're really different. Okay, uh, uh, maybe something's lost in translation. She goes, no, 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 you, you aren't like the other guys in our building. You're, you're, you're not getting drunk. You haven't brought a girl home. You haven't done any of these kinds of things, and I just don't understand. Now, I can't think of a better softball pitch, you know, right over the plate that you could sit, tee up, and knock it out of the park. We don't get oftentimes that easy of a question at the same time, friends, those are the kinds of things we want emanating from our life and the power of the Holy Spirit because it tells a story. It tells a story of a Savior who loves us, a Savior who redeems us, and a Savior who calls us his own. It's the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be witnesses at home. So what does that mean for you? What can we do uh, about that? How can we live this out? So the number one application for this at home is I would challenge you to be real. Be real. Live your faith. Don't hide it. Don't keep it away. Just live your faith. And guess what? You're imperfect. I'm imperfect. I have to apologize all the time to my children. But I want to see them hopefully catch that in the same way that I ask their forgiveness, they can also approach their heavenly father and he promises to forgive them. We're not perfect. That's not what we're demanding or asking. And that's not what the text is asking of us. It's asking us to be who we are in Jesus. But it also means that we're not hiding that. What about starting your morning a little bit earlier before the kids get up and having devotions and sitting in a chair with your Bible open and your notebook out so that when your kids get up, they actually kind of see that, hey, mom's doing devotions or dad's doing devotions. Uh, what about leading in uh, just a prayer time or, or a, a brief Bible study around the dinner table? What about putting scripture on our walls? Just Things that we can do to be real. This is who I am in Christ. Let's embrace that. Now, here's the risky prayer, all right? Here's the risky prayer for you. Lord, help me transform my home. Help me not to be neutral, but fully engaged in my faith. Give me the opportunity to share Christ regularly with my family or roommates or others in my home. Just pray that. That is a risky prayer because, again, that's me asking God to do something that he already wants me to do. So he's going to give me that opportunity, but that's the risk. Lord, help me transform my home. Now, 
When we look at, back at Acts 1.8, it, it's an interesting thing. That's ring one. That's concentric circle one, my home. But then it says in Jerusalem to Judea. Judea, we would say, is probably our network. So I want to be a witness in my network to those who I'm connected with. Now, Jerusalem was the capital city uh, of Judea and, and Israel in that time. Judea is a territory, but it's not like thinking about Jefferson City is to Missouri, right? It's not that kind of way of, of thinking. What I want you to think about this are these are the people who are in your tribe. Right? These are the people in that political group that you love, that you all kind of think the same way about economics and about who to vote for. It's the people that you kind of are with, that you go out on the weekends every once in a while and you go mudding in your four by four. It's the people that you go hunting with. It's the people that you go quilting with. It's your affinity group that you are connected with. Does that make sense? We all have those in different ways. We're to be witnesses even to those who are in this space. Now, watch this. This is more risky. Why is this more risky? It's more risky because deep down inside, what we really, really want, what we really, really desire is that people just like us. And you know what? There's hardly a fast way to throw ice on a party than asking about Jesus. I hear that laughter, someone knows, right? It's, uh, it is hard when you start saying, hey, let's talk about Jesus. Man, it'll, it'll chill a room out really fast. So how can I be a witness with my network and still keep all of my connections going? I want us to look at Paul's instructions to a young protege by the name of Timothy, because I think there's something that we can catch here. Paul is writing in the book of 2 Timothy to this young man that he's training up in the ministry, and we catch very quickly in this text that there's something going on. Not only is there something going on, Paul keeps repeating to Timothy an encouragement to not be ashamed. Timothy's a afraid of being who he is in Christ. He's, he's ashamed of the gospel. And Paul is having to remind him of this. Look at this. We'll put it on the screen. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me as his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel relying on the power of God, right? Here's what we're talking about. Don't be ashamed. Rely on the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Just a few verses later, Paul repeats. And when you get scripture repeating, we know that there's something that's definitely here. So again, don't be ashamed of me. Rely on the power of God. But this verse is later, I am not ashamed, Paul is saying, because I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he's able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says a very similar thing in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. We could say maybe, 
Paul is building this out from the very words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8, where he tells his disciples that if anyone wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me in the gospel will save it. For what does it profit someone or benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory of the Father with the holy angels. Jesus is even telling his disciples and those who have done ministry with him, who've seen Jesus do miracles, don't be ashamed of me. This is a temptation that you and I just naturally have. Don't be ashamed. Be a witness. Tell what you've seen. Tell what you've seen. So how do I live this out in my, uh, in my network, in my immediate framework? Friends, be confident. Be confident. We already heard Pastor Merle reference John 14, 16 through 17, where Jesus said that he's sending the Holy Spirit to be with us. The Holy Spirit is already with us. You have the Spirit in you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you trusted him, the Holy Spirit is with you. What more do you need? What more do you need? So here's our risky prayer with this. Ready? Lord, give me confidence from your Holy Spirit to be who I am in Christ with boldness. Give me your confidence from your Holy Spirit to be who I am in Christ with boldness. Let's not be ashamed. Let's not shrink back. And the next ring that we would see move out from this is our broader context from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. This was the neighborhood next door. This was that new place that people didn't necessarily like to go. It wasn't necessarily home field. We know what that's like, right? Ever been to a new school, new job, new framework? And you're like, ah, I don't want to have to deal with all of this. But we do have to live with the reality of things that are broader than our own backyard. Think about how crazy it is. If you work for a multinational company uh, right now, you've probably been doing a lot of Zoom with people literally all over the world. If you're a gamer, you more than likely connect all the time with people in other countries playing the same video game. We have an expanded realm of contexts beyond anything like in any other time period in history. And in those broader contexts, we are to be those who bear witness to the truth. Now friends, how, how do we do that? I love what Michael Green in his volume, Evangelism in the Early Church, stated was the number one way that the early church would tell others about the truth of Jesus. He called it gossiping the gospel. Gossiping the gospel. You say, time out, hey, thought gossip was bad. Uh, well, in this context, what he's saying is they would use principles of gossip like, have you heard about? And then drop in something that's incredible. So watch this. Have you heard about what's going on at Pleasant Valley? 
God's been doing some incredible things there. Can I tell you about a story of someone that I met this last week at Pleasant Valley that God transformed their life? Hey, have you heard about how Jesus claimed that he was going to raise from the dead and that makes a difference for the future? Have you heard about that? And sometimes people will go, eh, I'm not interested in that. Okay. But they would use this as a way to connect with people. Have you heard? Do you know? Have you experienced? And we can tell the story of Jesus. Here's your risky prayer. Your risky prayer is quite simply, give me opportunity to share the truth of Jesus with someone today. Now, I promise you, friends, uh, this is probably one of the most risky prayers here, but I would dare you, double dog, triple dog dare you to do this prayer, to say this prayer. God, give me the opportunity to share Jesus with someone today. And again, maybe this is a helpful way to pause. We're not responsible for how people respond to the gospel. We are responsible to be a witness to the gospel. So we can share indiscriminately with people all over and allow God to work on the results and work on their heart. Give me the opportunity to share the truth of Jesus with someone today. I met a man a few years ago. I'm just going to call him Ben. Ben uh, was so convicted by Acts 1.8 that he believed God laid on his heart a challenge. And the challenge was this, I will not go home for dinner until I've shared the gospel with at least one person. His wife encouraged him in this and would even sometimes hold dinner until he got home. But every day, that was his prayer. Lord, give me an opportunity to share the truth of Jesus with someone today. And then he wouldn't go home until it was done. When was the last time you risked that big? Remember whose power it is? Is it yours? No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray this daily. Now, interestingly, this, this passage of Scripture from Jerusalem, the, the, the right there close to, to Judea, to Samaria, and then it says to the uttermost parts. This is the, the no stone unturned. Leave no one untouched with the good news of Jesus Christ. Keep telling them about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, some of us may think, gosh, we got missionaries to do that, right? Everything's covered. We're all good, right? That's all perfect. I want to show you a picture. On the screens, I'm going to put up a map. All of those red dots on the map are what are called unreached people groups. These are clusters of people, either by language or culture or some sort of geographic feature that keeps them from hearing the gospel. What that means when they put a dot here is that there are less than 2% of individuals in these clusters that know Jesus or claim to be a Christian. Do you, you catch where all of those were clustered around? Now, I want you to catch some data. Based on a 2020 survey done by the Joshua Project, there are 17,000 461 people groups representing 7.76 billion people unreached. Is the task finished? Hardly. 
We have so much to do. This equates to roughly 42.6% of the world's population has not heard the name of Jesus. And friends, that doesn't even count the neighbors that you have right around the corner from you who don't know Jesus either. These are just people groups. The task is huge. As witnesses, we go to the nations, we, we invest in missions, we pray for the harvest, and we share Jesus. We need to share the good news. How do I live this out? What's my application in this? Friends, get off the bench. Get off the bench. Some of you have been on the team for quite some time. You put on the jersey, I'm a Christian, and you sat on the sidelines while the world has gone by instead of engaging your friends, your family, your networks, or even the ends of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ, even though the Holy Spirit's power is in you. Get off the bench. Get involved. Let's find ways to reach, to tell others the story that Jesus saves. Tell them about Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Friends, you can make a difference as a witness. How can I do that even though? How do I get off the bench? Some of you have got a passport that over the last year just been sitting on a shelf. You need to pull it out, blow the dust off, lay it on your desk and say, dear Lord, give me the opportunity to go somewhere this year to share the hope of Jesus. Some of you, maybe because of physical limitations, age limitations, or maybe the age of your children or, or other kinds of things, you're saying, I can't go. What do I need to do? You need to give so that others can go. You need to pray for missionaries that this church is connected with because this church is part of a broader network that sends over 5,000 missionaries globally to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Your gift in that area makes a huge impact, but we can pray for them. We can pray for those individuals. You can read church history and find out how God has moved dynamically. So what's your prayer? Here's your risky prayer for this understanding of the ends of the earth. God, remove any barriers to me sharing the hope of Jesus to the world. Remove any barriers to me sharing the hope of Jesus to the world. The world. Remember that image at the beginning of dropping a big rock into the pond and, and then seeing that kind of ripple out. It's pretty amazing if we said that each one of our lives represented a, a, a rock a, a, a transformed by Jesus Christ, so then we put it in, begins to create ripples. But if we took the thousand plus people that gathered here this morning in the early service, in the chapel, and in, in here right now, and online right now, and, and we just dumped all of it into the pond that's in, in liberty in the areas that we are, the water would be so frothy and, and beat up in such a way that there would be no escaping the fact that Jesus is Lord. Friends, why are we sitting back instead of jumping in the pond and letting God and the power of the Holy Spirit move through us to do amazing things? The time for sitting on the sidelines has passed. Let's get engaged. Let's get involved. And this is the picture of the book of Acts. You can take this verse, Acts 1.8, and you could watch the ripple effects walk all the way through from beginning to end as the gospel goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. In the year 200, 
one of the early pastors of the church, wrote this about Christians and the growth of Christianity. He said this, the outcry is that the state is filled with Christians. They're in the fields, they're in the citadels, they're in the islands. Non-believers make lamentation as if there's some great calamity that both men and women, every age and condition, even high rank, are passing over to the profession of the Christian faith. You understand that Jesus, his 11 followers, from that point, there has been unbelievable transformation globally because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you ready, Pleasant Valley, to be those in the power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness in your homes, in your networks, in liberty, into environments beyond, and even to the ends of the earth? This morning as we pray, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm gonna pray that God would work in your heart and your life this morning to pray some of these risky prayers. And in fact, I'm gonna challenge you to pray some of them uh, even this morning in your own particular life. So would you join with me in prayer this morning? Gracious God and Father, how incredible is it that you save us, not so that we can be content to be by ourselves, but you, you save us in such a way so that we can be men and women sent out by you to be witnesses to the way that you have transformed our hearts and transforms our lives by the goodness of who you are. And you've given us even the power of the Holy Spirit so we don't have to pull back. We don't have to be afraid. We can trust you to work in our lives and to continue to share the hope of Jesus. God, we heard your word this morning. So Lord, there were four prayers that we talked about this morning. Lord, for those that this applies to, God, I pray that you would give them courage to see transformation in their home. Lord, give them the courage to share the hope of Jesus in their home, to take a bold step of living out their faith in whatever context you've placed them in. For our second prayer, God, Lord, we pray that you would give us confidence from your Holy Spirit to be who we are in Christ, to walk boldly, to walk boldly and to be followers of Jesus Christ, firmly committed to who you are. Third, Lord, we ask that you would give us the opportunity to share the truth of Jesus. We walk out these doors, maybe with the wait staff, even at lunch today, maybe in the break room tomorrow, give us the opportunity to share the truth of Jesus. And finally, Lord, would you remove any barriers to us sharing the hope of Jesus to the world? Help us free our pocketbooks. Help us free ourselves to be able to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. God, we trust you to move in a mighty way through this church, through Pleasant Valley, all the way to the ends of the earth. Would you be glorified through us as we are your witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.